Thank you for joining us today. This is Clint Byers, lead pastor of Forward Church. I pray this message blesses and encourages you. I hope it inspires transformative grace in your heart and establishes you even deeper in your new covenant identity in Christ. Now take a deep breath, become aware of God's spirit within you, and enjoy the message. So Patrick was telling the story, and he wasn't going to share, and I just encouraged him. I said, look, man, please, I, I, I just really felt like what he had to share was just going to be really impactful. And a lot of them wore, you see, you see Austin's shirt over here, not quite, is that a Hawaiian shirt? Would you consider that? Just a floral shirt. Johnny loved the Hawaiian shirts and, and his Washington Redskins, but uh, several of the, the men wore his floral shirts, and so Patrick had one of his Hawaiian shirts on. And he said that uh, Johnny had the, the custom or the just, just a big heart to serve and help him, even if he didn't want him to, you know, that father-in-law would come in and do things for you. <laughs> Patrick said he appreciated it. But he said specifically the thing that stood out to him was when he would leave, there'd be a ladder left or hedge clippers or something like that, you know. And he'd call him and he'd say, hey, you left your clippers. Oh, I, no, those are yours. I, did, I found those. Those are yours. You know, and he wouldn't take credit or nothing. And I just thought about that, the clippers, right? Just that small little token. Because that's premeditated, if you think about it, right? He thought about that ahead of time. He went and bought those things, knowing that that was what he needed to do that job, to be a blessing to his family, and probably knew ahead of time he was going to leave those afterward. I mean, that was a premeditated, simple, small blessing. It was intentional. And, and, I, and I don't mean to just use him for that example, but it is a good example for us because that's something that has been built into Patrick. And when Patrick was talking about it, he was saying that that's something that will mean something to him. That's something that he will continue to model on. And honestly, I personally think that is one of the greatest ways to create the opportunity to share the gospel. That's one of the greatest ways to create the opportunity to be loving toward one another because here's the bottom line. It's not going to be in the power. It's not going to be in the great booming display of God's greatness and flash and all that. The way that Jesus said that the world would be a display or that, that the church would be a display to the world is how? By our love for one another. By our love for one another they'll know that we follow Jesus. Amen? And then he continues to pray, and he says, as we unite in our love, as, and Jesus prays, I pray that they're one, Father, as we are one, as you and I, Father, are one. And I pray that they know that they're one with me and that they're one with you, and we're one together, and I'm in them, and you're in them, and we're in you. And he, and he just, he paints this picture that actually kind of mirrors what Isaiah does throughout his whole book, that it's hard to make the distinction between the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, and the church. In the book of Isaiah, which if you want to put that just the initial God's servant series slide up there, in the book of Isaiah, you see that, especially from chapter 40 on, you see that uh, Isaiah is prophesying about this idea of God's servant, the servant of God. And he's, he's very specific in some points and like, uh, you know, early on when he talks about the coming suffering Messiah. And then he, in Isaiah 53, he goes into detail about what this Messiah would do and what it would look like. And then he kind of pans back out and he talks about, but I'm talking about Israel. I'm talking about 
the, the descendants of Abraham, but then again I'm talking about the servant, but then I'm talking about the nation, and then I'm talking about what seems to be a broader picture, and, you, and it's hard to tell the difference between, okay, well, and so we go in and out, in and out, and it's, it's like a magnifying glass that's going in, looking at the suffering Messiah, but coming out and seeing the cells around the same organism, and it's all one and the same. Do you follow me on that? So like when you read Isaiah, and I don't, and, you know, we talked about that last week, maybe going into Isaiah to study it a little bit more, it, it's, it's confusing, and you, you, can, you can really get lost in it. It's one of those books of prophecy where you're trying to figure out what part applies to me, what part has been fulfilled, what part has not been fulfilled, this judgment part, what do we do with it, what's going on, I don't, I don't know, somebody needs to tell me about it, <laughs> you know. And I appreciate that God built the church so that we can study together and look into those things. But the overall picture is this. God loves people. And the whole time that you see in Isaiah and really the entire history, which is what the Old Testament is, it's, it's the history of mankind, but it's drilled down on the history of God's chosen elect people. That is Abraham and his descendants and their history together in and out of covenant, in and out of rebellion. And the overall theme throughout all of the Old Testament, and even in Isaiah, you see it over and over and over, it's God telling his people, just trust me. If you would just trust me, if you would just follow the ways that I've revealed to you, if you would just take this set of way of these divine prescriptions of life and how to live, apply those principles, otherwise known as laws and commandments, you can live out a way to experience blessing on this life. See, we read that stuff still from a legalistic perspective. And when I say we, I mean the body of Christ at large still reads the do's and the don'ts as if God is holding us to a standard and treating us based on how well we behave. Now, under the old it was obviously that because they weren't righteous. They were in this relationship that was more of a legal relationship, although God was trying to reveal himself continually in that he desired mercy over sacrifice. When he gets to Isaiah 53, he starts talking about how this group of people, he defines himself as this group of people's husband. Like he brings it to such a place of intimate relationship that he says, I am your husband. Next week, we're going to go through Isaiah 52, 53, 54, and really, just really look at what Jesus did on that cross in the grave and in the ascension just to, to wrap up the year. This is the last service before Christmas, and I do want to talk about the mission of Jesus today is what we're going to get to. But the overall thing that I want, and you know, using or, or, or pointing to Glenn's friend as an example, pointing to Johnny as an example, who might think that he didn't make much of an impact in regard to faith and the kingdom did because he taught people how to love. And I'm just convinced, you know, yes, I want to see the body of Christ do miracles. Yes, I want to see the body of Christ do amazing things. But the way that we do it is we prioritize love. And it's really, it's really very simple, you know, in fact, most of us want it complicated because we like having an excuse to not do anything. Do you still love me for saying that? I mean, honestly, it's just way more simple than we, than we thought. So 
This is message number two in God's servant, and I just want to talk about the mission of Christ. You know, last week we went through Isaiah 61, and it was a bit of a meditative exercise. So we see here in Luke 4, 18 and 19, Jesus comes out of, let me just go here, I'll just, just a little bit of review. Jesus uh, is baptized by John the Baptist, right? He goes out, and, and, and it's spoken of him from the heavens. God himself announces audibly to the, all the, everybody that's standing there, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. And the spirit of the Lord descends upon him, which recognizes that he's anointed of God. And then he goes out. He's led of God out into the wilderness for 40 days and 40 nights to be tempted by the enemy. Now, Jesus faced that so you can have the victory that he gained out there. Amen. I hear, I hear this teaching a lot that, you know, they'll, they'll say it. Preachers will say it this way. If you want to be like Jesus, that means you're going to have to go through the things that Jesus went through. Well, the book of Proverbs actually calls that kind of knowledge foolish. In other words, if you have to learn the hard way, if you have to go through difficulty to learn a lesson, that's foolish. The wise takes instruction and applies it. Amen? So Jesus, yes, is our example, but the things that he suffered for us, we can stand in the victory that he gained for us. Now, I'm not saying that you're not going to have trouble, that you'll never suffer or anything like that. that. That's not the point that I'm making. But what I'm saying is God making your life difficult because Jesus went through some difficult things is not the path that God is taking you through to make you a better person. Now, if you go through challenges and difficulties and you learn character and you learn discipline and you apply the Word of God, you're better for it. But you can also recognize you're the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus and apply all of those proverbs and the way of God that's revealed in His Word and by His Spirit and avoid a lot of that stuff because Proverbs says the wise sees ahead and makes provision. But Jesus, you know, it's paradoxical because He said, look, in the world you're going to have tribulation. It is guaranteed you will have tribulation from the world, this external pressure. But be of good cheer. I have overcome the world so that in me, and I'm adding this part, but this is, the, this is the idea, so that in me you can have the victory. Even in the midst of, in a Middle Eastern prison, facing what his friend faced, right? And it, and it makes me think of the Hebrew children, you know, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego before King Nebuchadnezzar. Their attitude was this, standing there facing the fire, uh, which the king made hotter for them, they said, listen, we're not going to bow down and worship that statue or you. We have one God and one God only, and it ain't you. And he will deliver us. But even if he doesn't, we're not going to worship. Even if my God does not deliver me, I will not bow down to your statue. That, you know, that's contrary to the faith mindset that we're kind of taught to have because we're taught to have no don't even confess you know uh don't even don't even say the potential negative you might bring it on you no 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 don't even don't even entertain it in your mind i mean i, I get that to a degree but it's like come on you know i mean I, I've, I've seen a lot of people with a real faith forward mindset 
You know, and I don't, I don't want to label any, any particular denominations or anything, but you know what I'm talking about, where it's like you're afraid to give a negative confession or, or maybe, maybe somebody's struggling emotionally and they've been taught in their faith tradition to not admit it. Or maybe the woman is, the wife is struggling and having a hard time, but the husband is like, no, bless God, and there's kind of this pressure there. Don't tell anybody. It'll make us look weak in faith. You know what I mean? It's not, it's not spoken, but it gets implied. And it's like, oh, man, don't, don't, that, that's a religious yoke of bondage too. Don't fake it. Be real and be honest. Be hopeful like those Israel, the Hebrew children, you know. Listen, I know God. I know he wants to deliver me, and I know that he will deliver me. But even if we don't get delivered from this temporary scenario, we're not going to give in to the external pressure of the world, even to the loss of life. You know, so you kind of have to live in that balance of, I know what God wants, but if it doesn't happen, it doesn't change how I feel about God. It doesn't change how I feel about my devotion and commitment to Him, even though I know the promise is available. Amen? So Jesus, coming out of the wilderness, right, out of the desert, tempted by the enemy, goes straight into his public ministry. We don't know how long, but it's probably, you know, within a couple of days. He goes into the synagogue, which it says was his custom. So he, you know, went to church regularly. We could say that. I'm not trying to pressure you into church. But you should come to church. I mean, you know, we'll be, ni- we'll, we'll be nice to you. Which, by the way, hello to our online people. Y'all show the online people some love. Thanks, thank them for coming and watching. And if you didn't listen to last week, I'd, I'd say go back and listen Um, But the bottom line is Jesus stands up. He reads from the scroll of Isaiah. He reads from Isaiah 61. And it's interesting because he actually cherry picks. He didn't just read straight through Isaiah 61. He actually dipped back into 58, put some things uh, from 58 in in his, what he read. And, And then he also omitted the part about the day of vengeance of the Lord. It's really interesting. So ultimately, this is what Jesus said here. And he's reading from Isaiah 61, but he personalized it. And I think the Son of God can do that, right? Like when he quoted, you shall fear the Lord thy God, and him alone shall you fear. When Jesus quoted that passage, he says, you shall worship the Lord thy God. You know, because he wanted to show the true character of God. You don't have to be afraid of him. All right, so this is what Jesus reads in Luke 4, 18 and 19. And Jesus stands up, reads from this scroll. They probably would have been very familiar with it, but where it went from there was interesting. He says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me. Now, at this point, they think that he's just reading Scripture. He has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty them that are bruised, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. And then he stops there. He rolls it up, and he says, this day has this been fulfilled in your ears. Now, some of them got it, some of them didn't. Afterward, he went out. Courtney and I were talking about this this morning, this idea. Afterward, he went out and, they were, and, and started to kind of make indication that he was speaking of himself, and they got really upset, like, you are the anointed one of God? Well, who do you think that you are? Well, prove it, you know. Maybe you can preach that. That's a whole other uh, topic. But he's, he's talking about this passage, this prophecy from Isaiah, 
of the coming servant of God. That's what he's referred to as over and over in Isaiah. Jesus stands up and essentially declares, I am that servant that Isaiah prophesied of. And so we, last week we read all the way through Isaiah 61, and we looked at the big picture of what should happen from the inauguration of the Messiah being in the earth and what God will do through His people from there forward, right? Now, the Israelites were expecting a conquering king, but God had a different idea. His kingdom doesn't work like kingdoms here. And I think we're still trying to understand how the kingdom of God is established. You know, and I was praying about this this week and, and, and you know, trying to put my mindset in the place of those first century people that would have heard Jesus' teaching. And if I were really following him, trying to listen to his teachings about the kingdom, it, it, it really boils down to one idea, and that is his kingdom was not going to be an external kingdom that came onto the earth to conquer and to overthrow the world systems through carnal means. In other words, through military might and power. His kingdom is from the inside out. So the, the, most, the simplest explanation or picture that helped me understand is that his kingdom was not going to be an external imposition onto the earth. His kingdom would be put in the hearts of his people so that it would be changed from the inside out. And we see that in the individual believer. What he does first and foremost is he takes that body of flesh out of us. We see in Colossians 2, the circumcision without hands he does, removes that mere human nature that was opposed to God and prone to sin, and he casts it away forever. It really, it's absorbed and dealt with on the cross. And then he puts a new spirit, he puts his spirit in us, he gives us a new heart, and he changes us at the core. That same thing is happening in the earth right now. The thing that God is doing, what God is doing, because it's in Isaiah that says, Behold, I do a new thing. That new thing that God is doing is restoring everything from the inside out, specifically the inside of His people, outward to all of the earth. And that's evidenced by the mission that He says is going to be accomplished by His people throughout the earth. I mean, you know, it's, it's hard to grasp because we, we see, well, what about judgment? What about this coming? What about death and destruction? It's like, yeah, there's room for that. There's still things coming upon the earth, but I want to have a spiritual perspective of it and participate and co-labor with kingdom, not shape my decisions based on what might or might not happen in the earth. Amen? This is my expectation regardless of what happens externally. This is what he said would happen. So once Jesus stands up and he reads from Isaiah 61, that kicks in all of those prophecies of what God would do through his people once that kingdom was inaugurated. And, you know, the light of in Zebulon that all the earth sees boils down to these two passages. We read them last week, but I'm going to review them and then talk about your place in them. Boils down to this idea. As a result of... The declaration the Messiah is in the earth, inaugurating all of these prophecies about what God was going to do through His people, this is kind of the blueprint of what we see. This is one that I see. This is Isaiah 61, 6. And he's talking to Israel, or other words, His people. And we see in Galatians 3 that the now 
the defined children of Abraham, which is, but you, are you with me? Am I going too fast? I know it's a lot there. I'm trying to put it together clearly. So when he says, but you, the you is the people of God, which is the descendants of Abraham, which is the nation of Israel, which now is defined as those who have placed faith in Christ. Amen? So the people of God are the church. Say, I'm the people of God. I'm the you. All right? So this is you. But you shall be called the priests of the Lord. Say that. Say, I'm a priest of the Lord. Do priests walk around with a sword? Or do they bless people? Right? Both? <laughs> You're talking about the word. You're getting all spiritual on me over there. All right, so now I want to, I'm, I'm done teaching. And what I want to do is I want to kind of flip into a heart and mind expansion exercise here. You know, so, so for the rest of what we're going to talk about here for just a few more minutes, I just want you to open your heart. And I want you to dream bigger about what God wants to do through you what he's trying to do through you, and what he is doing through you, even when you don't know it. Are you with me? So your friend probably had no idea that just going out and feeding people would one day save his life, would one day make such an impact that it would completely change the course of an executioner's life. I mean, what? That is, it's almost unbelievable. I mean, that's right in Acts 29, you know what I mean? The continued book of Acts that's continually being written that we're a part of. Those clippers that get left there. You know, it may not have been cloaked in a presentation of the gospel, but it was a, an act of love that caused someone to say, yeah, that, that was an act of love toward me that I can duplicate. And I know that it was from a place of goodness. I know that it was from a place of someone that has faith, right? So, again, I, I'm, I'm already starting to kind of bleed into where I want to go into in January, the series I want to go into in January, just talking about letting yourself off the hook a little bit, but also pick up the responsibility a little bit, but make it easier on yourself because it's just all about these acts of love that afford the opportunity for the other things, the big things that we want to see happen in the kingdom. But I just want you to get the picture. This is who you are. Now, also, if you read through Isaiah, you'll continually see God coming to them through prophecy saying, trust me, listen, just trust me. If you'll just follow me, if you'll just go this way, trust me, I will take care of you. Not only will I take care of you, I will so richly bless you that us together will be such a blessing to all the earth. All the nations of the earth will recognize that I'm working through you. All the nations of the earth will come to you seeking wisdom to learn the ways of God. Now, see, when we start talking this way, I know what happens. It's like our, our, the hope kind of rises up in our, our consciousness or our thinking starts to rise up a little bit into spiritual thinking, and what's like, yeah, we can make a difference. Now, wait a minute. Well, who's the president? 
Think about what this family went through. <laughs> Are you with me? Like I see pictures like that, and I do hear those sounds, by the way, <laughs> in my thinking. But it's like, okay, man, yeah, no, we are the nation. We are the, we, that's, this is us. This is us. What he's about to talk about here and the picture that he's presenting of his people and the impact that they're going to make in the earth if they would just trust God and just let God do what he wants to do through them, which is what I want to talk about coming into January. How do we get out of God's way? How do we harmonize with God so that we're just naturally flowing with him? I'm not talking about a course on hearing the voice of God. Are you with me? For air quotes for those that are listening. You, listen, you hear the voice of God way better than you. You hear him all day long. I, I promise you, you do. You know how I know? Because he's in you and he's talking to you. And you do hear. But you just got to learn how to get yourself out of the way. And you get yourself out of the way by letting your thoughts continue to hang out up there in that spiritual expectation, right? So when he says, but you shall be called priests of the Lord. Well, but we got to take over this mountain, and we got to take over this mountain. That's fine, but how would a priest transition into that place? Coming to serve, coming in to serve the people, not to be served, but to serve. Uh, they shall speak. Now, th this is, you know, they, the unbelieving world, they shall speak of you as the ministers of our God. Think about that. Do you own that? Let yourself own that. They shall speak of you as the ministers of our God. You shall eat the wealth of the nations. The wealth of the sinner, is it? Wealth of the wicked is laid up for the just, I think about. And in their glory you shall boast. But this, this idea of pre... You know, I mean, y'all have heard me probably throughout this last year. I've mentioned that in almost all the series that I've gone through. I just keep coming back to that idea. I keep coming back to the idea of God through his people. That's what he sees. He just wants this ragtag bunch of people to be in the earth serving, being a blessing to people, and then knowing what that does. This was the other passage that really stood out, Isaiah 61, 9. Their offspring, so your kids, say my kids, my, my spiritual and natural children, we can say, the people that I disciple, the people that I love, the people that I, you know, raise up, however you want to understand this, you have an effect on people that continues on. Their offspring shall be known among the nations. For what? For being the ministers and the priests of God. And their descendants in the midst of the peoples, all who see them shall acknowledge them that they are an offspring the Lord has blessed. I got a buddy that I went through high school with and in college, and, you know, you don't want to know what we did. And both got saved kind of around the same time. Actually, he was a believer as a kid. I never was. And I just remember, you know, we were kind of both on this same trajectory. And but probably because of my background, I, I could not depend on myself. And I'm, I'm not setting myself up here as the example, what I'm doing is I'm showing you how stupid I was, but I did make a right decision to depend on God. 
right? That from the beginning of my relationship with the Lord to be born again, I knew, you know, that my best effort gets me going crazy, probably needing to be medicated and locked up in a padded cell in the back of a car on drugs on the way to go see a demonic movie. That, like, that's my best effort, what that got me to. And from that point on, when the spiritual reality became true for me and I started moving toward the Lord, that's what God can do in my life. Crazy, in the back of a car, on drugs, to God using me. And so there would be instances where, you know, I would make a decision and, and something would happen and, and he would tell me, he'd say, man, you're just so lucky. I'm like, I don't, I don't really think it's luck. I think I'm just following God and this is what's happening, you know. I made this decision, I made this decision, and I made this decision because I saw in the Bible, okay, well, you should go this way, you know. It's like I did myself a favor that I didn't even know what I was doing, not having been raised in church, but I would see it in the Word of, of how to live a certain way. I'm like, okay, well, and I would wrestle with I remember there were times where I would come up, come up against something that addressed morality or specific behaviors as it relates to a, a certain area in life, and I would see it, and I'd be like, I don't know if I want to do that. And then I would you know, spend more time with God, and then, then it became, I don't know if I can do that. You know, so, so the desire began to change to a want to, but I still was making mistakes, and then I just stayed close to him, and, and then it became, yeah, I don't want that. Still making mistakes to, I'm not doing that anymore. Still making mistakes to, man, I'm free from that. I really am free from that, you know, and that was multiple times that happened. And this guy continued along the same path and is holed up in the woods waiting for the rapture. I mean, literally, doing nothing, smarter than I am. This guy's a genius, and it breaks my heart. And, but he would constantly say every time something good would happen in my life, man, you're just lucky. You're just lucky. And now he recognizes, now it's the blessing of the Lord because he's, he knows now to give God the credit. But what I'm saying is a lot of the world, I want them to look at you and misinterpret the blessing of God and think that you're just lucky. Are you with me? Until you get to teach them, no, it ain't luck, let me tell you. It's just the blessing of God. So, so, he, so what I'm wanting us to, what, what I want to experience is, is even an increase of expectation of God working in my life because it's bigger than me, right? It, being used by God is bigger than me. Oftentimes, we want to be used by God, and it's all about us. I want to experience this blessing, this promise. I want to make this money, and I want to do this, and I want to give this, and I want to start this, and I want to create this. Well, it's fine to have those desires, but what I'm learning to do is, is come back a little bit from a bigger picture and look at it as no, these, are, these are things that God is wanting to do. I just happen to be the donkey that he's speaking through at the moment. Amen? We're just jackasses for Jesus, right? <laughs> he speaks through that donkey, prophesies to the wayward few, and brings them back on track. I mean, that, that's just that's what we are, prophesying donkeys. Because of this. Did we make that our 
bumper sticker for the church? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, if we're reading the King James, that's, you know, that's what it says. I mean, you know, again, <laughs> that they are an offspring of the, uh, that they are an offspring the Lord has blessed. Think about that. The Lord has blessed. Why? It's bigger than you. Sorry. I know. It was, see, you were feeling guilty for that phone, so you needed the, you needed the release over there. We forgive you. Oh, taking it further? Can, we should, you know what we should do? We should push pause, and let's just hear these thoughts, let the comedian stuff, you know. Huh? You have to push the pause. <laughs> Let me wrap up and then we'll hear Lyle's thoughts. <laughs> what was that? Listen. Uh, Cannon gave us the example. Popped on up here. Be ready. In season and oh, I'm just messing with you. Ah. <laughs> <sighs> You know, because a lot of times, and, and even even me, a lot of times we're 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 willing to take responsibility to believe, right? We're willing to take the responsibility for the condition of our lives, and I think that you should, because what you reap, you sow, and ultimately where you are is a result of the decisions that you've made. But but in the tension of that paradox of taking responsibility for the condition of our hearts and our lives, I also want to pan out a little bit. See the bigger picture that, yeah, okay, I'm doing all right, doing the best I can in some areas. I could be doing better there, could be doing better there. And it's fine to look at your life that way and realize that your heart has a huge factor, is a huge factor in experiencing the promises of God in this earth. But as we see in, in 1 John, he says, listen, if your heart condemns you, realize this, God is bigger than your heart. God is bigger than your heart. Amen? Amen. What, which means God can still move in your life in ways that are not just limited to your capacity to believe. And experiencing the promises of God and being used by God are not just limited to your capacity to hear and obey Him. Like David, like King David... Look how David was used mightily and the mistakes that he made over and over and over again. The mistakes that he made, you know, uh, committing adultery, having the woman who he was lusting after his husband killed, cutting covenant with a, de a demon king, you know. I mean, he just made so many mistakes, but his heart was, God, you are amazing. I don't know how you continue to love me but you can still work in my life. And I recognize all these prophecies that you have about your nation. So where's that giant? You know, he kind of he recognized his place. And then he recognized there's a bigger picture here. And I just happen to be the one that God's using in this moment. So I'm going to step into it. Now, thankfully, in, on this side of the cross, we step into it knowing that deep inside of us, at our core, we are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. We have been made holy. We have been cleansed. But that's because He needs you changed 
so that he can work from the inside of you, not on you as he did with the former people. Amen? So there is a difference, but there's just a bigger picture. There's a bigger picture. And, that, and, that, and that's the, again, that's where I want to go over the next month and a half. How do, we, how do we live in that place of, yeah, I recognize where I am. I recognize that I'm not there yet, wherever there is. But I also recognize God has changed me, and I have within me the capacity to be used greatly and mightily of God in spite of me. And so, so the wrestling that you do is to shift how you think about yourself away from your failure into this is who, this is who I am. God has made me into a priest. God has made me into somebody that he wants to work through that the nations of the earth looks at and says, oh, that's one of God's blessed ones so that we can then teach them the ways of God, the Logos, Christ himself. Man, I just, I just feel it. You know, it's, it's, like, this, it's like this tug of, of, of thinking, uh, taking responsibility for believing, but then also realizing, no, I just, I want to be, I want to be leadable by God. Amen. So we want to trust God and expect blessing, which we can be quick to be a blessing in the middle of. Amen? I just, I do, I just want to end on this idea. Maybe a little short today, which I'll make up for keeping y'all in here for two and a half hours during the Know Your Enemy series. Oh, wait, no, we got to give Lyle some time here. Do you feel that? I mean, do you just feel the expansion? It's like, yeah, I do. I feel the tug. I feel the wrestle. I feel, I get it. I, I get that, yeah, I'm willing to take responsibility for what I sow. I'm willing to, to recognize it is about what I believe, and, 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 and I want to use my imagination, and I want to build into this earth, and I want, you know, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence. I want to, I want to impose my faith onto the world so that it shapes itself into my expectations. I do want to live that way, but I also want to recognize there's a bigger picture that I cannot accomplish on my own. So I'm just part of this hand of God moving in the earth to be used by God. And the way that we're going to anchor ourselves to stay leadable to Him is through these small little acts of love and kindness that open the door for the opportunity to maybe plant a gospel seed or to pray for somebody to see a miracle or to start something that's bigger than ourselves that God continues to use even after we're gone. You know what I mean? It's like we have these ideas and hopes and dreams and expectations, and, and, but we, we, we constrict ourselves down into the bottle of if it doesn't happen, then I'm failing. It's like, no, no. Maybe. You might be a failure. You might, you might have missed the will of God for your life and failed to follow him in that one specific thing. But you're still breathing, and God is still moving. And there are still billions of opportunities for you to be a blessing in people's lives because that is ultimately what God is trying to do with his people. Bless the nations of the earth, spirit, 
soul, and body to open their hearts to learn the ways of God. That's just the big picture. You might have some specifics of what that looks like. I know, some, I know a lot of the specifics of what it looks like for me. I want to help you learn some of the specifics of what it is for you. But don't get lost in the details and the specifics. Realize there's a bigger picture, and this is the bigger picture. God's moving through his nation to be a blessing. So as you go out of here today, you know what? Do we have time? You guys want to end in worship? Does the band have time for that? I'm calling an audible here. Can we do that? Y'all want to end in worship? And maybe we can just do that last song, How Great Is Our God, again. Yes? Y'all come on up. Blake, lead the way. Let's show the band some love and encourage them to come on up here. Let's just stand up as they're getting ready. Put your attention on the Lord <coughs> and think about that. So just, just for a moment, you know, just for a moment, set your mind on this idea. I am God's offspring that the Lord has blessed. And I want you to get a picture of yourself being looked at by your friends and your family, by the world around you, by whatever it is that you have influence within and whatever spheres of life that you're in, get a picture of people looking at you going, oh man, yeah, God has blessed them. I am attracted to them. I want to go to them and learn the ways of God. Now, in the midst of that, you're going to look at yourself and you're going to feel like nobody should be coming to me. That's where you then put off the old man and put on the new man. Because God, what, when you think that way about yourself, what you're doing is you're limiting what God can do. Quit making it about you and put your dependency on Him. Amen? Amen? Amen. Father, we thank you for the opportunity to believe, to expand the capacity of our heart to increase the space of our tents, to make more room for you to lead us. And just tell him, I, want, I am teachable by your spirit. I want to be known as being blessed by you. Father, I will own the identity as a blessed one of God used in this earth to serve others and be a blessing to the nations. I don't know how all that works, but it's what you're doing through your people, and I am one of your people. And I will yield my limited thinking about myself to you to have a bigger picture of what my life can look like to be used by you to be a blessing. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Father, we just worship you. We lift you up, Jesus. We praise your name in this place. We recognize that your spirit is with us. If you have sickness in your body, just acknowledge the Spirit of God is seeking to manifest healing within me so that He can use me to be a blessing. My healing is not even about me. It's about God having a vessel that He can move through. And He cleans the vessels that He wants to use. And He wants to use me. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Jesus, we give you praise. We acknowledge your presence. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father.